Thanks for tuning into my new show, Get U.S. Market Ready with Italian Wine People. I'm Steve Ray, author of the book, How to Get U.S. Market Ready. And in my previous podcast, I shared some of the lessons I've learned from 30 years in the wine and spirits business, helping brands enter and grow in the U.S. market. This series will be dedicated to the personalities who have been working in the Italian wine sector in the U.S., their experiences, challenges, and personal stories. I'll uncover the roads that they walked, shedding light on current trends, business strategies, and their unique brands. So, thanks for listening in, and let's get to the interview. Before the show, here's a shout-out to our new sponsor, Ferro Wine. Ferro Wine has been the largest wine shop in Italy since 1920. They have generously supplied us with our new t-shirt. Would you like one? Just donate 50 euros and it's all yours. Plus, we'll throw in our new book, Jumbo Shrimp Guide to International Grape Varieties in Italy. For more info, go to italianwinepodcast.com and click donate. Or check out Italian Wine Podcast on Instagram. Hi, this is Steve Ray, and welcome to this week's show. Uh, this week, I'm pleased to have as a guest Aaron Damara, who's with Zonin 1821. He also attended the most recent VIA Academy, in Italy International Academy, the deep dive training in uh, Italian wine, and, and for the second time. So, uh, Aaron, why don't you tell us a little bit about your personal background and how you got here, and then we'll dig a little bit deeper into Great. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. I've, been, I've worked for uh, Zodan 1821 now for uh, six and a half years. Uh, that's the parent company from Italy owned by the Zodan family. They own uh, 11 wineries worldwide. And uh, the company I work for based out of uh, Florida for the U.S. is the import arm of the family. So we handle, uh, I handle all of Florida, most of Florida, uh, managing that portfolio with our distributor partners. And I've been in Italian wine now for I'd say close to 25 years, working with it in different capacities. I grew up in Chicago uh, and not in a wine family. Uh, so my professional goal was to, uh, was to be a teacher, uh, even uh, in a graduate program, with the idea of getting a PhD in American history and working my way through school, uh, bartending, uh, managing uh, restaurants, and uh, lucky enough to work for a a big Italian restaurant while I was uh, in my second, third year of, of graduate school and uh, really caught the wine bug at that point. So instead of defending my thesis, I uh, told my wife at that time that I was going to figure out how to work in the wine business. So well, I, I find it pretty common, at least from the people I, I interview on this, but also pretty much everyone I know in the wine industry, that everybody has kind of this seminal moment where they they can point to it and say, that was the point in my life when wine became really important to me or I discovered or tasted something for the first time. What was your uh, critical moment like that? Yeah, you know, I, I definitely had one. It's, it's, I don't bring it very often because, you know, in the wine business, there's a lot of, a lot of sommeliers and the wine people that like to humble brag about all the great wines that they've tasted. And I've been fortunate in that respect uh, over the years. But there really was one time when, uh, you know, I had one customer on a snowy evening that uh, – that shared a, a really unique bottle of wine with me. I actually remember it now. It's uh, the most expensive thing we had on the list, I think, at the time, uh, 1978 uh, Gaia Sori San Lorenzo. And uh, first, it was impressive that you ordered the bottle because I'd never seen anyone uh, buy one. Uh, I still remember this day, and this was 1996. It was $375, uh, which seemed like a lot of money back <laughs> at that time. Those wines have certainly gone up from them. And he said to me, I'm not going to drink this whole thing. Pull up a glass which I assume meant that he would offer me a taste. No, he poured me a full glass. 
and we uh, sat that night at the bar and just talked wine, you know, you know, for what little I knew. And, and uh, he was an Italian wine fan. And I realized that, you know, in that glass in my hand at that time, that, that wine could be a lot. It could evolve in a glass and in your mouth. And uh, it kind of opened my eyes and made me want to really explore, well, find other experiences like that, certainly. And that's, that's always been uh, my goal as well. Having that chance to taste that wine again, <laughs> not a lot of people have, but. Uh, yeah, I, I, I find it, it's, um, it's kind of a great equalizer that you're all concentrating on. If that's your passion, all of a sudden you're concentrating what the taste is, um, how, how you experience it, not just with the tastes and the flavors. And we'll get into the jargon, the discussion about jargon and its use, but the enjoyment of it that's shared. And I don't care if it would be the president of the United States or some guy sweeping up litter on the streets of uh, New Delhi, India, if you share a love for wine, all of a sudden that's what you're talking about and, and um, it facilitates meeting and traveling and all the other things that, that have happened. So before you got to Zonin, though, you worked at uh, Wine Wave and then Palm Bay. I moved to Florida uh, in 1998, so been down quite a while and uh, a very different wine scene initially uh, when I lived there. And uh, went to the distributor side after leaving the, the restaurant business. My wife was tired of me working nights and weekends. Uh, so I worked uh, a small distributor, large distributor, and then was lucky enough to get a position pretty early on in my distribution career, as a lot of people think it, uh, working for an import company, a private company called Wine Wave based out of New York. But uh, I built a very nice portfolio, uh, about 20 producers, uh, some, some bigger names from Barolo, uh, Brunello, Psycho Business, and also at that time handled the estate wines of the Zonin family. So I worked for uh, for Wine Wave in Florida as that market manager uh, just shy of five years. Uh, the company was sold to a bigger company. I moved to another large distributor portfolio uh, in a way that you, you kind of look for those next uh, experiences and, and opportunities. And uh, that was a little more travel than my wife and I were used to, especially with, uh, with young kids. So I did leave the business for, uh, uh, for a short time, did a little consulting, uh, mostly stayed home with my infant daughters. And then, you know, for a couple of years, kind of planned the, you know, the, the next move, whether it was going to be, you know, back into the restaurant business or uh, back into the, the import side and that distribution side, which I found I really loved, you know, having a portfolio to really embrace to understand, wrap my arms around, and become become the educator of those wines, which was always that you know internal passion of mine uh, in terms of teaching. So uh, originally in 2013, uh, the Zonin family came calling with the idea that they were going to create a, a more fine wine centered team in uh, in key markets around the country. You know these prestigious account development managers, as they, as they called them originally. Uh, the funny part was that. I had a meeting. They actually flew me to uh, to the home office in December 2013, and it took almost uh, a year and a half more to actually create the positions. That's that's great, though. I mean, to have a position created that's really ideal for what you want. That sounds like I'll take that job. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's that's often how uh, the Italians move on certain business timelines. So it it didn't quite surprise me. And as I mentioned in the beginning, you know, it's been uh, six and a half years. You know, the portfolio grows. Uh, it's a pretty dynamic family. Uh, and it's a different model than, you know, most other traditional imports into the U.S. 
where, as you've known for years, you know, brands will change hands, they'll move around. And you know, in this case, uh, the family, uh, which, and they are the largest private uh, vineyard owners in, in Italy, they own all of the businesses. They employ all the, uh, the winemakers, the vineyards, and, and of course, you know, their import uh, arms in, uh, in the U.S., in the U.K. and China, they do all directly. So you've had some experience, uh, some deep experience working both on the import side and also on the distributor side. And I'm very interested in digging into that and what what are the different functions on the two sides? I mean, they're very related. Uh, how do you see the difference and where is your level of enjoyment? And- well, I think it's twofold. If you're working just as a distributor, you have, in most cases, you have a very large portfolio. And so you're trying to balance out the needs of all of your domestic and importer suppliers, pair with the needs of your, your customers. As in my role, where I'm really you know, focused on, it's about 100 wines. You know, I can think of those as my only focus. And so not only am I helping to manage you know, those sales expectations within the distributor sales, but I can go to the street level. I can be the expert uh, for those hotel buyers, uh, retail and restaurant buyers, and even their customers. You know, from this level, though, we sometimes joke that you often end up selling the wine three times. You know, if it's a new item, something a little more obscure, especially you know, working with Italian wines, I may have to really sell the wine into uh, my distributor management and then help their sales force sell it into their restaurant customers and then go do a wine dinner or a consumer tasting that third time to get it into the, the hands of, uh, of the, the end user, the actual consumer. But you know, in most cases with, with most wines, at least initially, that's how they're built. So back to the difference between importer and distributor, where do you feel most comfortable? I feel most comfortable on, on the import side. You know, I like being part of that liaison between you know, these hundreds of families, in my case, you know, in Italy, uh, Chile, we also have other brands that we're bringing in, but you know, being that representative of a portfolio, being identified uh, with a say a certain type of wine. So you know, having sold wine in Florida now for 20 years, most of it being Italian, you know, it's two things my customers recognize. Uh, I haven't been able to shave my goatee in like 20 years. <laughs> I lose my identity uh, in the market, and also that, that I, you know, I'm a go-to person for Italian wine questions. Even sometimes, if they're not my, you know, my direct brand. So you're the the go-to guy with the goatee. Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's let's circle back to the uh, Italy International Academy, which we've been talking about. You you've participated in it twice. You know the challenges of it. You did, uh, I think, top of your class the first time and the second time you did it, but you did not qualify for Italian wine expert, which is the peak of the peak of the peak. You had some experience. It's, uh, was it a court of uh, master psalms or? Yeah, I've been through the court of master sommeliers and I've been through the society of wine educators. Tell us about the Via Academy and what you see as the benefit to you and benefit to others who might be considered it. And then we'll get into the details of, of uh, the course itself and how challenging it is. But why did you do it and what is Via all about? Via to me is, uh, is the most important Italian wine education platform that's yet been created. It is, um, you know, it, it, it's a it's a deep dive into, you know, initially the, 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 all the, the native grapes uh, of Italy, uh, and has evolved uh, very nicely into really, uh, you know, creating a uh, an education system where you understand 
the grapes of Italy, the wines that created from them, uh, the regions uh, from which they come, the soils, the local uh, foods. It, it, it's it's more all-encompassing than anything I've ever experienced in any particular you know wine education. Is that because of it's focused on one country, or is it the level of academic rigor? Well, it's certainly both. You know, when I've been through other wine programs, and when you talk to people that then you know start with studying France and California, and and eventually move on to Italy, it's often the last country they want to tackle because it's the most complex, because the pronunciations can be uh, you know laborious, and and there's there there's just so much to know. Uh, and there are so many important wines to know that you can't discount, you know, more than say, you know, a hundred uh, or two hundred different uh, wines, and still leave you two or three hundred to to really have to understand to to know that country. Talk about how the uh, the program has evolved from the first time you did it to the second time. Well, I first heard about it, uh, I believe, in two thousand seventeen. It had been, I think, at that time it was second or third year. A a wine and food writer and blogger from Orlando that I knew uh, got into the program, and, and the classrooms were much smaller then. And it really was focused on a single textbook uh, by Ian Degada called "The Native Grapes of Italy," which is an absolute tomb, uh, a, you know, compendium of, of all things about each grape. Uh, that is uh, a perfect bedtime reading if you suffer from <laughs> any kind of insomnia, but a great reference if you love Italian wine and grapes. And the evolution uh, has become. Uh, more encompassing because uh, well, two things: uh, Henry Duvar and Sarah Heller, who have taken over as the, the, the main educators. Uh, Henry was the first to ever pass Ian's test to the uh, the expert level on this first try, uh, which Stephen will always uh, include in every conversation that, that she has about Henry. And then Sarah Heller, a master of wine, uh, I believe, when she became a master of wine, was the uh, youngest woman ever to pass that test. Uh, so two really uh, knowledgeable uh, wine people, uh, especially Henry, who comes from an Italian wine background. And they looked at this program and wanted to really make it more about Italy and not just about the grapes. So studying fewer of the, the clones and the biotypes um, and more about you know why we're making wine and what kind of wine we're making from those grapes and why each region has developed its wine culture the way it has. Uh, so with the uh, influence of Professor Attilio Scienza, who I think most people regard as the most important uh, person in the Italian wine business and one of the most influential in, in you know, viticulture and analogy around the world, uh, he's brought a level of understanding of what's called the base of, uh, of Italian wine, meaning uh, he's an expert in geology, uh, also uh, uh, ampelology, ampelography, the study of, of which grapes are which and, and you know, the DNA analysis of uh, figuring out which grapes are related. And so that, uh, you combine that then with um, a deeper dive into the, the, the history of the peninsula, which is in itself fascinating, you know, uh, pre, you know, pre-Roman and Greek peoples and the Greeks and the, the Roman empire and the, and the, the Medicis. And so it makes for this uh, incredible uh, mosaic of, uh, of information uh, of, of layers of knowledge that, all at certain points have to be mastered to uh, to pass this exam. Uh, and, and you mentioned this Italian wine expert level that I'm trying to achieve. There's four parts of the exam, and uh, a total of 65% is needed to, to pass, uh, which is still 
you know, quite rigorous given the, the level of details that can be, uh, you know, part and parcel to some of these questions, uh, it requires 90% efficiency to then qualify to sit for the expert level exam. So you're blind tasting two wines, you're answering 100 multiple choice questions, writing uh, two essays, and doing a group project. And that's the VIA Academy. The expert level is then uh, blind tasting six wines and then doing an oral defense of your blind tasting uh, in front of you know the panel of uh, of experts. Wow! <laughs> and will it bring me any you know any reward or any fame? It certainly won't change my my current role with my company. Uh, there's there's no big there's no big check that they hold up uh, next to your name like you won some prize. It's it, it's for me a you know um, you know a, a personal goal. Uh, because I want to be included with with those other you know fourteen that hold the gold pin. Okay, so you clearly had uh, a passion for it. You had a lot of experience working with Italian wines uh, in general at both the uh, import and distributor level, and then working with one particular company and understanding of their wines. I can understand uh, you know in the job that you have uh, how it's going to be of, of great value to you. What about other people who may not have as specific a focus on Italian wine, but still um, have that yearning to yearn to learn? Uh, I, this program may actually be more important for those people that are right on the cusp of saying, do I want to spend a little bit of time and make a deep dive into Italian wine? And there, there's no more perfect uh, program for it than, than uh, the Italy Academy. Because they, they, you start with a... You start with a syllabus so that you have an understanding of what is expected of you to know. And there are, you know, what I love about, especially attending what they call the flagship program in Verona, uh, which is hosted once a year, it's generally a larger uh, classroom, uh, about 60 people uh, versus, say, the 15 or 20 that originally were included. And so it allows uh, Stevie Kim and her team to invite, you know, Italian wine enthusiasts, uh, people in the industry from around the world. You know, they, we, have, we have ambassadors from... I don't know how many countries it is now. It must be 30 or 40, you know, not only the United States and uh, in, in Canada, Russia, China, Hong Kong, Japan, Australia, uh, one from South Africa, at least one from South Africa. So people are coming from around the world. This is, uh, it's, it's building into a program that will be recognized worldwide, just as the Court of Master Sommeliers is, or in this case, probably more akin to say a WSET, the Wine Spirits Education Trust, where you have layers of, of uh, qualification and, and layers of you know, levels of knowledge that you that you aspire and, and attain. Uh, so the program itself for people that want to come to Italian wine or, or work in the industry, they've, they've pivoted with uh, with last year's uh, COVID shutdowns to where the, the initial classroom is held online. It's about forty hours of of online video. Uh, it, you know, it, it's expected that you. You know, do a lot of homework in that time. That was where I was going. So there's, there's the class, but then there's all the thing to get to the point where you can even qualify to get into the class. You know, it could be daunting for some people to, to think about it, but uh, when I sat for the exam the first time in 2019, I spent probably 100 hours preparing, uh, not knowing quite what was on the test, and created a, a four-inch binder with a page for every grape and a page for every region you know, into which I could then put more notes. I had come from a blind-tasting background previously, Certified as a sommelier in 2006. You know, of course, we work in the business, so we often taste wines critically. I even went so far as to go through the Society of Wine Educators uh, program to become a certified wine educator to kind of round out my my knowledge and my t- 
tasting skills so I would be more effective going through via. It, that, those kind of levels aren't necessarily required, but it does take some, some self-discipline, uh, some, some self-preparation so that, for example, this last, this last flagship course of, of VA in Verona, the classroom work was already done by the students that arrived. And so we spent three days really blind and, and flight tasting wines from all over Italy. So you could assess five or six of the same type of grape together, get a real understanding for the differences that could be, or in say in one case, 12 Amarone, you know, with the, with, the, with the principles of the producers all there in front of us to answer questions and to start a dialogue and to look at, you know, something that's very difficult to do, uh, have 12 glasses of, of some of the best Amarone in, in the world, you know, of course it only comes from that area, but, uh, and to see each producer's, you know, expression of, of this wine that we all think is, you know, a little more homogenous. Uh, so the, 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 that twofold level of, of education, um, tasting wine, tasting more Italian wines at one time than most people ever had the chance to do. It's, I believe we averaged about 80 a day in terms of tasting uh, through the afternoon, uh, which to a lot of people sounds like, you know, the, the best happy hour ever. Yeah. But it's certainly, you're still there to learn. So it's... Uh, oh, it's critical. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're not there just enjoying the... The most important employees, the most important crew, uh, you know, in, this, in, in VIA are the... You know the, the young ladies and, and men who take care of the uh, of the pouring of the glasses and the emptying of the spit buckets. <laughs> Nothing moves without them. And making sure that it's correct. Um, yeah, I do know Stevie's team uh, quite well. I've spent a lot of time there with them, and I'm very impressed by all the people who who work with her. She's a, a pretty tough boss, I understand, but uh, we'll just leave it at that. So, talk about some of the other students that you met uh, each each time in the class, and maybe some of the things that have happened to them, and, and how the class has benefited them uh, in their careers or personal lives. Uh, you know, I have so many friends from uh, from my two years of, of VIA, and uh, in done a great job of, of connecting this community uh, more so than any other wine community that I've ever uh, been a part of. Uh, you know, so uh, I have another uh, ambassador friend who uh, lives in South Florida uh, in Miami, and uh, he came to Italian wine as a wine store owner. So after he uh, became an Italian wine ambassador, he opened in Eastern Florida the first Italian-focused wine school. Now, it's many things like that have been, have been put on pause because of uh, because of COVID, but you know that is you know is his goal to be able to educate people at the you know at the consumer enthusiast level and then drive sales for his store. There are a couple of Italian wine experts uh, you know in Canada that run you know traditional wine schools with uh, with 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 via educating being part of you know their broader uh, goal of say WSCT or other uh, wine education platforms. A couple managers of uh, big portfolios. Haley Black is a is a Italian wine expert for a portfolio in Seattle, and then yeah, and then some surprising uh, uh, people that have passed because they don't come from it from a true like wine education background. You know, uh, the marketing director for an Italian import company in New York uh, just you know works for a company and said, "I want to be more of an Italian wine enthusiast." So Annie, uh, you know, studied and, and passed this year uh, uh, in Verona, or. Uh, you know, one of uh, one of the more unusual uh, entrants in the in the 2019 uh, program, Kyle, who at the time was a, a physician for the U.S. Navy based in Sicily, you know, living in Italy, living the dream, I suppose you'd say, right? It didn't come to from a for, to via from any kind of wine background, 
but had the passion and had the, the, the drive. And when he passed, it, it wasn't to surprise anyone, but it was uh, it was exciting to see people that can embrace uh, you know Stevie's creation here and uh, and become you know Italian wine ambassadors. And I think it, it, anytime if you're in the Italian wine business, you're sort of out there being a, either a formal or informal ambassador you know, for the wines. Because like we said, the test is not easy to pass. I have a couple of friends who have taken the exam a couple of times, haven't quite got to that that level in, in one form or another, but they're some of the best blind tasters that I know. And they run you know important either portfolios with distributors or have run uh, wine programs for some of the best restaurants or, or retail stores in the U.S., so that little pin that we get at the end of the VIA ceremony uh, doesn't define someone as an Italian wine expert or ambassador. But uh, any kind of exam like this, you're certainly putting yourself out there, setting yourself up occasionally for failure. And so you know, even for me, pass or fail the first time, I knew I was going to, to try until I, until I got to it. So let's turn it a little bit to talking about consumers. One of the issues... Um I have not taken VIA and probably won't because I don't have that level of, of knowledge. I, the, the good news is I know where I can find that information. But um, we also, we in the industry deal with consumers who don't know that much, don't care that much, want to know a little. Sometimes I think about them as factoids like USA Today, little snippets of information that don't really mean much, but give them something to talk about at dinner. And yet, uh, oftentimes we'll have people over for dinner at our house and I say, would you like an explanation of the line? And the answer is no. And then they get back to talking about whatever, you know, the subject of how do you translate or you know so much, right? And I imagine the desire there is to share, but most consumers don't want to know that level of detail. Exactly. It really is the old adage of, you know, if you ask me what time it is, you don't want to hear me describe how a clock is made. And, that, and I always try to temper, you know, my, you know, my information and my enthusiasm if I can with with my with my my audience, um, so like the last uh, I say consumer wine dinner I, I did, which was one of the first ones after the, the reopening of COVID. You know, I made uh, first and foremost a point. And this was a country club setting with about 150 people. I said, you know, this is not an Italian wine class. Uh, I'll tell some anecdotes. I will share as much as you'd like to know about the wine. But if you want me to give you a you know a seminar, we'll organize something different. The great thing about Italian wine is it has technical and, and deep as, as some of the information can be, uh, the Italians don't ever really take it that seriously. You know, I was always taught, and I was lucky to work for an Italian sommelier, who said, first and foremost, you know, this is a condiment on the table for, for us. A condiment? Oh, for Italians? Yes, yes. It, it, it's, it's wine is part of the table setting, and it simply adds to, uh, it adds to the meal. Uh, and you wouldn't have a meal without it. So, you know, we can share different information in different levels of of, uh, of knowledge. You know, as I talk to say a distributor's sales team, but I even might not give the same amount of information or same type of information. I'm talking to the the restaurant and fine wine sales team versus the team that's selling to grocery and retail chains. You only sort of need to know as much as you need to to, to make the wine saleable. And then for you know, say friends of yours or friends of mine that come over for dinner, uh, they don't want to hear the technical information about how the wine was made. And that's like asking how the sausage is made. Uh, I want to know what it goes with, maybe something fun about the, the town or the, the winemaker, if you know it. Or it, most often the case, you know, is there a second bottle that we can open? <laughs> um, 
last question before we get in, into the wrap up here is um, what about smaller markets? You know, you're, you're working in the Florida market. I'm from New York originally. Uh, we tend to spend a lot of time in, you know, uh, major markets like New York and San Francisco and Los Angeles and Miami and Chicago and so forth. Um, how is VIA applicable to Omaha and Atlanta and Denver and Minnesota and Michigan, you know, markets that aren't necessarily, uh... you know, the more I study, the more I, I, I dive into VIA and the more I work, you know, even just in Florida where I'm, I'm in some of these little, you know, these small towns and, uh, you know, little markets, uh, maybe VIA and, and the ambassador program or this, this kind of Italian wine education is the most important in what we call in the U.S. those secondary markets or tertiary markets because the exposure hasn't been nearly as prevalent. Uh, New York and Miami, they get all the wines, you know, and so their buyers are often quite exposed and experienced uh, with, with the breadth of Italian wine, as are many of the, uh, many of the, of the consumers. But, uh, you know, say, say in the Midwest, once you leave Chicago, the wine market certainly changes and in much of the country, we talk about, you know, sweeter wines being uh, the most prevalent or lighter wines or domestic wines. But the, you know, the Internet and all of these wine apps that are out there and available, certainly I think they, they, they bring some curiosity to a lot of people that uh, start going through, you know, different wine apps, uh, you know, listening to blogs and, and podcasts, certainly not only ours, but, you know, the Italian wine podcast is the most important. But then if you're in a market where, the wines you hear about aren't available and there's no one uh, knowledgeable to be able to bring them in, mark them and sell them, then, then you're missing a huge chunk of, at least in the United States, of that American market that uh, may never see anything but a Pinot Grigio as a white wine on the Italian wine list. An inoffensive white wine, right, yeah. <laughs> well, I might have that issue because they're, uh, you know, it's funny, the first iterations of Via, they didn't actually, they didn't actually teach Pinot Grigio because it's not a native Italian wine grape. Right, right. <laughs> it's, it's a traditional grape brought to Italy, you know, a couple hundred years ago with many, with many others. But it's so important now that, of course, we have to address it. And it's great. It's, uh, you know, I've watched the evolution of, say, you know, Italian wine drinking over my time in the business where Orvieto and Gavi and uh, Trebbiano were the most important white wines on Italian wine lists. Uh, Pinot Grigio, as I was taught by the first sommelier I ever worked for, he said, Aaron, Pinot Grigio is for breakfast. Pinot Bianco is for dinner. <laughs> it's, it's sort of a simplification of, of that idea, but um, I, I like that. Yeah, it's great. But Pinot Grigio became that wine that uh, you know that, that filled that flavor niche for people, and uh, just like let's say the the big beer distributors don't dominate the beer market anymore. People have you know have explored past you know the the, the light beers and the lagers, you know, uh, but they still dominate sales. You know, Pinot Grigio still has a place, and I still drink it, you know, on a regular basis. But it's a, it, it's become that springboard. We hope we're able to look at uh, you know so many other uh, wines that let's say we consider uh, you know more interesting or or, uh, or or you know I wouldn't say more important, but sometimes more fun. No, I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Okay. So let's bring that around. One of the uh, things I like to do is to finish the interviews with uh, this broader question of what's a big takeaway. We talked about a lot of things in your experiences with the and the role of place in the uh, wine industry, particularly in America. If somebody was listening to this and uh, you wanted to pull out one factor, one thought, one idea from what we talked about, what would it be? For me, that Italy is the most fascinating uh, wine region in the world. 
And, you know, the Vanilla International Academy is only one avenue to, to learn about it. But uh, it, it's, it's a country in a, in, a, in a country of wines that, you know, that never disappoints, that, uh, that always has something new to, uh, to explore. The range of flavors, styles, producers is unparalleled. You know, we talk about going through different levels of education, you know, different blind tastings. Uh, there's, there's never an end to this wine. And the one thing I've learned about Italy is uh, I'm just realizing how much uh, there is still to learn. You know, I think we say that a lot about a lot of industries. But uh, at least for me personally, you know, in this journey, there's no other avenue that's more fun than studying Italian wine, you know, or, or maybe wine in general. You know, when I'm opening multiple bottles at home to, you know, to blind taste them together, uh, my wife rolls her eyes and said, oh, you're doing homework again. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the most important thing is that once my homework is done, you know, I can share that homework with, uh, with my family and friends. And, and not, a lot of, not a lot of other businesses allow you to do that. I had, was having dinner one night in, in Verona and things got messed up about who we were going to meet with and when and where and all that kind of stuff. And I, I came out with this line, which turns out to be, I think, a pretty good line. In Italy, nothing works, but everything works out. And it's all centered around meals and wine and uh, a lifestyle that uh, I don't want to say is hedonistic and, and oriented towards pleasure, but perhaps less competitive um, than we commonly feel in America. Yeah, those two ideas, you know, this, this trezzatura where something is a little bit off, but in doing so, it, it's perfect. And, uh, you know, and, and for people that come to, to you know, that, that are newer, you know, to come to Italian wines, you know, there's always a little bit of that. That different flavor, different aroma that maybe they're not used to if they just drink California or, or, or to a lesser extent maybe you know French wines. You know, it's a, it's an unusual term, but we talk about you know having a little bit funky in uh, in a lot of Italian uh, wines, especially the reds, but that make them more compelling to keep going back to and, and trying. And it's in the, and those are those are flavors and aromas that we don't even often discuss. You know, you know, on the American side of of learning about food or wine. Okay. Um, let's bring this to a close. This week we've had as a guest uh, Aaron Damara, who is, well, what's your title? I'm a Florida district manager for Zone 1821. I'm a uh, VIA Italian wine ambassador and educator. I want to thank you for sharing your time um, and insights with us this week. And we look forward to welcoming everyone listening back next week for another interesting interview at uh, the Italian Wine Podcast, Get U.S. Market Ready with Italian Wine People. This is Steve Ray signing off for the week. And thank you very much, Aaron. Thank you again. Thank you, Steve. It's been my pleasure. This is Steve Ray. Thanks again for listening on behalf of the Italian Wine Podcast.